This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Where'd the music go, man? <laughs> we, we waited a little long, didn't the we? The day the music died. Yes. It was the music died. It's And dare I say it, this yes. could be a little bit of a theme for the show today. Welcome to Sunday on a glorious long weekend. It's a beautiful day out there too, but you... It's a beautiful day. ...are in a bit of a maudlin mood. I... Uh, and you're wearing Maudlin. purple, kind of. Yes, I am. Yes. I am wearing purple today. Yes. Um, it's been a sad, sad old weekend for mm. a couple of things. One which I'll get off my chest uh, because due to the educational license of this fine, fine broadcasting establishment, 3RRR. Yes. Um, I'm allowed to, mm. um, although many places aren't. So we're going to do that. Yes, uh, someone who was... Instrumental in my life. I oh, fuck it. We we lost our Mozart. Yes, that's that's pretty much the way that I look at it. We great sparks uh, come to us and um, and they spread a lot of light around uh, in this world and a lot of love and joy and let's face it, mm. a, lot, a lot of ass moving. Yes, um, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a sad sad old day. And I've had a, a, a sad old weekend about that, but that hasn't been. Well, the main reason I've been sad, I, mm. I, I kind of weep for this planet, mm. uh, but um, we'll get on to that in a bit. Let's let's keep it up and say that uh, we've got some good stuff on the show today. We do. We? And before we move on with that, we're, we're going to indulge. We also should say big thank you to the scientists for oh, them. 60 big minutes of brain stuff. <laughs> That's all I got. They never listen. No. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the magnificent cerebellums uh, that mm. are opposite us in uh, Studio One. Yes, humble us. But now the time has ticked across. Oh yeah, they midday. do. And now the time has come, and, and so we're on, and we're talking about food. We are indeed, and uh, yes, today's show we have. Um, oh, there it is. Good. Mm. I have a, a sort of a running sheet here. Mm. Um, what have we got today? Well, we've got a very impressively named man. He's sitting in the green room. No, he's in the kitchen with the boys yes. making coffee. His name is Miro Bellini. Isn't that impressive? I'd love to be called Miro Bellini. <laughs> yes. And Mr. Miro Bellini is coming here to accept his Nobel Prize for beer. Really? Well, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yes. That'd be a good thing. Good Beer Week is coming, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We're going to talk to, uh, to Miro. Um, and then... Mm. And then someone mm. who has inspired me in the kitchen. Yes. Uh, this jaded palate of mine. Mm. He still gets me into the kitchen. And I talk about this book, um, Adam Lau's Big Pot. Is it not? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, it is the Big Pot. Yes. Uh, given to me by uh, my housemate who isn't listening to the show, but I thank him for this book because, you know, there's some books that you you just put in a corner to die. Yes, <laughs> or, that, or they might just be there to pretty up your bookshelf. Pretty up your bookshelf. Or to impress visitors. Or, you know, scatter around the coffee table. Yes. Oh, yes. How look cult- at me. How, how cultured are you? Yes. <laughs> oh, look at this. Uh, not this one. This one's filthy. Yes. It's ripped. It, 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 has, it wears the wounds of being too close to the stove and spattering things. Yes. Um, I've cooked a lot of dishes from that, and we're going to talk to the author, Adam Lau. Uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Yes. He's going to be on the line yeah. from Sydney uh, town, which is good. And then mm. we've got, uh, well, we've got um, the musician and his, and the cider maker. Yes. How, how good is that? Yes. Um, old buddy of mine, Doug Robertson, he's in there making the coffees. Yes. At the back. Keep pulling the coffees there, Dougie. Mm. And he's there with Phil Kelly, who is... Um, 
I don't know how many generations. It's at least two. Mm. Um, Kelly Brook up in Wonga Park. Beautiful, beautiful property. Have mm. you been? I have, have you been? I have been to Wonga Park. Yes. Oh, you have? I have. What, and then to Kelly Brook? Uh, no. Specific, there's a lot of money in bloody Wonga Park, isn't, isn't there? there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. It's oh. a very sort of rural feel for some oh, of sort of rural, with big, big lots, lots of adjustments. Vast tracts of land, what my good the, boy. Don't have a port. <laughs> Dragon port. Oh, yes, we like it here. Side of, of, of post and rail fencing. Yes. Yeah, but uh, in, in amongst all this lovely mm. area is this very wonderful cider maker, and they're having, they're going to have some fun mm. under this huge old oak tree. Mm. Um, and uh, Chucky will be playing. Charles right. Jenkins will be playing on yes. one day. The Grapes will be playing on another day. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. We've got that. some tickets to give away for that too, but you'll hear more about that in due course. We have not one, but one giveaway. We have two. Yeah, we're sprinkling we the two. giveaways today. We are sprinkling the giveaways. Sharing the love. And they're, and they're all related to the show. Isn't that wild, the way synchronicity yes. happens? Who would have thunk it? Are you a subscriber? You've got a chance. You do. And Matt won't... Assassinate you Because <laughs> he's like that Willow. Yeah he's like that Very um, tenacious is what I am Tenacious mm. is Is right And uh, But I asked the question mm. How you doing You having a good Good old Sunday It's a lovely feeling isn't it When it's such a beautiful day Yes And a long weekend Is still stretching into the horizon Yes <laughs> It's a good thing <laughs> There shall be no work tomorrow No Although you might be getting up early Well you might be getting up early And going to the dawn service You might be doing that it could still be an alarm involved. Have you ever done that? You know what? I actually haven't. That's very bad of me to say. I, I, I have a, a couple of times, and I was talking to a mate of mine, hi Joe, if you're listening, mm. who was talking to me about the Macedon service, which is very, very moving. That'd be beautiful out there. War is stupid, but I don't know. It's um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I could we could go on. It's that kind of qu- quasi religious ceremonies for those of us. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we we won't go down that particular rabbit hole. All right, and speaking of rabbit holes, um, I, <laughs> I pull up, uh, yes. Is that the, is that a soapbox I see in the corner? Yeah, here we go. Drag it on over. All right, you ready? Drag it just, on over. Just bear with me, folks, because I've just Clamber have on. to get this off my chest. Yes. Today's food quote, in an interesting bit of synchronicity, um, covers a bit what I wanted to talk about. Mm. Um, Joseph Woodcrutch, don't judge him on that. Uh, naturalist from 1893 to 1970. Yes. Mr. Crutch, the naturalist. The Crutchinator. <laughs> no, stop it. Stop it. This is serious. This is serious. All right. Just stop all right. it, all right? I'm sitting up straight. You're on Triple It's 1209, in case you just joined us. If we do not permit the earth to produce beauty and joy, it will in the end not produce food either. There we go. Just mm. let that hang in the air. Um I do want to just very, very quickly chat about um, something that's been called the canary in the coal mine. Mm. It's a bloody big canary. It's a heritage-listed canary. It's the canary you can see from space. Yes. It's the Great Barrier Canary. It's the canary that is hanging from the perch, and yet it seems that there are so many of us that have just turned our back on this and just gone, la di da di da you know, fingers in the ears going, no, 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 I can't hear anything. Um, I refer specifically to the politician masquerading as our environment minister, mm. who, after watching two episodes mm. of David Attenborough's documentary on the Barry Reef, said, yeah, everything's fine. Really? Didn't hang around to watch the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. Sorry. <laughs> Swear jar. Yeah, I don't care. What is going no, on? I, I, today, I just 
do not care. I'll just give you a little bit of background. I lived on the reef. Yes. I was lucky enough to live on an island for... Oh, about one and a half years, and mm. every week at least I would dive on the reef. I've oh, I've, saw, right. I've seen it. I've seen that. it. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, um, there were days when because I was chef on this island, I would get out in a tinny. I would swim out to a tinny in the morning, mm. and I would be lucky enough to maybe catch uh, a coral trout. Um, or in a freaky way, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Spanish mackerel. I don't know if you've ever had a Spanish mackerel, like a, a four-foot Spanish mackerel in a tinny trying to decap, <laughs> just take off limbs and things. Pretty scary, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, there was – I've never seen such wonder, mm. colour, bounty, life. <sighs> and we have this this – glorious organism mm. around us is is dying in front of our eyes it's dying very quickly as well um <clears throat> and yet we have vested interests that just seem to say look nothing's happening here don't bother looking um we also even seem to have tourism operators that seem to say look just shh, shh, don't talk about it too much because those planefuls of of Chinese people with money and Japanese people and tourists from those you know mm. it's dying folks and um I guess uh, I I want to just uh, quickly just give an opinion of someone mm. by the name of Charlie Vernon, um, the man responsible for identifying maybe 20% of all coral species in the world. So this is a guy that sort of knows what's going on. Mm. And he says that reef, reef, reefs are the historians of nature. They keep fossils in their layers that tell an enormous amount about the environment in which the corals grow. And they show coral reefs worldwide have been wiped out about 20 to 35 times in the planet's history due to carbon dioxide. And we're not talking about a case of the reefs being damaged one year and then recovering the next. We're talking about when there is no coral around for hundreds of thousands of millions of years. We are looking at the beginning of that. Now, it's not only about corals either. And this is something we need to think about, folks. Roughly one-third of all marine species have got some part of their life cycle in the coral reef. Once you wipe out a coral reef, you are really hitting the oceans. It's beyond imaginations. That is a mass extinction, and there is every reason to believe we are triggering it. There's human time and there's geological time. They're completely different. If we're looking at human time, we're seeing the end of coral reefs as far as humans are concerned. Think about this, folks. There are people alive today who will search the world and not find a single piece of coral. I believe it's that bad. Sorry to bring you down, folks. Hmm. I know. Who was that again? That was a gentleman by the name of Charlie Vernon, who is a... uh, a uh, marine biologist who's spent his whole life studying the mm. reef. Anyway, um, I'll stop now. We should talk food. We're gonna we're gonna lift it up, um, but before we do, uh, one sort of sad bit of sad duty that I have today. Mm. Well, you all know what happened. Um, we've got we've lost our Mozart, as, mm. as I think I've said before. 
uh, my Mozart anyway, so I, I regard it. And I thought maybe just as a little commemoration, we used to play this song a lot on this show because, hey, it had a food theme. It was from one of my favourite albums. The album's called Sign of the Times. And uh, the song started with an alarm clock and it went like this. You're listening to Eat It on 3 Triple R FM. It is 12.17. And, uh, mm. um, it's a beautiful day out there. Great day to be alive. And uh, and maybe a Monday, well, you know, I was going to say sleep in, but yes. some might not be yes. sleeping in. Yes, might have an alarm set. But here's someone who didn't sleep in today because he's here. He's bright-eyed, he's bushy-tailed, he's impressively named. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to put your hands together for Miro Bellini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miro Bellini, of course, represents Good Beer Week, which is something that's happening. And, uh, and we salute you for this. Congratulations. How long have you been in this role? Um, well, I've been a part of the team for about well, five years, three months or so. Yeah. So this is our sixth program we've put together. Six festivals yes. about to kick off. And what's your title? What, what, what do you? Um, oh, right now, um, you can. Well, I, my, I call myself the ambassador. That's my role. For, ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ambassador. <laughs> ambassador yes. Bellini. I'm, I'm quite proud of the title. Yes. But, um, yeah, ambassador Bellini. I'm Welcome. One, one of the co-founders. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Now, how yeah. old is um, Good Beer Week now? Um, well, this is our sixth uh, festival, sixth. so five five years, you know. Yeah. And how it's grown, but not grown too much, which is a thing that I've uh, I've been saying to your people: don't grow too much, don't get too big, mm. because um, some some festivals and things can be sullied when they get too too overgrown. And I think it's being nicely contained, and there's there's joy in that. Yeah, I think. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. There's joy in that, and I think. I think our structure is nicely Darwinian. Uh, really, it, what you fight it out? And it's like <laughs> two come in, one comes out. Yeah, it, it's evolution, it, baby. It's um, it, it sort of um, it keeps itself lean and mean as it grows. Okay. Yeah. And one of the um, the things that uh, that that really offsets this is that how much we've matured as a as a beer drinking nation. Yeah. Certainly a beer-drinking state. Let's be parochial and bring it down to Victoria. But um, as I, I mentioned to you, and you were in furious agreement, was the fact that it, <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, folks, you know, you got your tribes and your tribes would get together and the way that they'd differentiate themselves was because of what they drank. Yeah. There was the, uh, the Melbourne Bitter tribe. Mm. There was uh, the Carlton Draft tribe. There were... Some people that drink Forex. <laughs> but it was definitely, uh, but, you know, um, yeah. Definitely a case of I'm, I was born here and I drink this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. And, but that has changed and evolved, has it not? Yeah, definitely. I think a, a lot of the cues and the way that the beer is, industry is changing mm. and, and, and the way people choose beers is, is all the fun we're having with food. Yeah. You know, and we care about where it's and from. Then, and then actually beer and food match so beautifully because... That I don't know. I don't know. Can you picture a food that goes with Melbourne bitter? No. Okay. <laughs> awkward awkward silence. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, hey, wow, hey, wow, hey, hey, someone just hit dad. You know, oh. mum just hit dad. But it's true, isn't it? That we there are so many things that have opened up to us in the fact that beer and food is just the most amazing, 
um, can be the most amazing pairings. But I think also that, that um, let's say, with you know, uh, everyone expects that 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 a food and beverage pairing must be with wine, as if wine has been the only thing on the dinner table. It's the noble thing to be on a table. Yes, for sure. Yes. And, but there seems to be prescribed rules and an, almost an ivory tower of like, if you don't get it, then you, maybe you, you shouldn't be at the table. But You're a philistine. With, leave. Yes. Let's go. But with beer, the whole fun is. Uh, we get to explore, and there's no golden rules, and 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 everyone gets to play around with that. Uh, you can confidently say, "Oh, I like this. Let's do it again." Or actually, maybe I don't like that. Mm, uh, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. and and where where sometimes we question ourselves with wine, or maybe I don't get it if I don't like it. Mm. And and I have to actually thank Good Beer Week for a major beer epiphany of last year, where I was invited to Marycote for a uh, a dinner. Um, and uh, luckily the, uh, the person, well, unlucky for her that, that she couldn't drink beer, um, who came with me. And so it was really interesting because she had wine, I had the beer and I was able to have each course, have it with the beer and then try the wine. And do you know what? The beer and the food was a better match. It really, really was. And it was the nature of, it wasn't an acid wipe as we were talking. It was sort of this... I don't know, malt hug, um, hop hug that sort of came around the palate. It's a little bit esoteric, but it seemed to work better. And bloody hell, beer and cheese. Mm. If you haven't tried it, folks, um, can maybe develop that a little bit? Yeah, well, well. Um, first of all, the carbonation of beer is really, really playful with when you've got fat on the palate. Yeah, right. It picks it up, it plays with it, where, where some sort of flat beverages might slick across that fat. Slick across the fat. <laughs> nice. Nice, <laughs> nice illusion. And, and just have, you know, you have one flavour than the other. For me, yes. uh, um, a beverage and food pairing should be aiming to be something ethereal, something greater than the sum of its parts. Oh, yes. and, and so when... Where do I sign? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the wonderful thing that beer will bring to it. So let's, let's, mm. let's grab, grab two very classic Belgian styles, the Saison and the Belgian Quadruple. The Saison... The Saison is the sour beer? Um, well, it can be... Can be sour? Sour or, or funky. What is the Saison? Um, Sorry. Oh. So... Um, uh, the, the saison is historically what farmhouses would um, supply their seasonal workers. Yes, because you don't drink the water. No, it was, no. It was very ha- ha- happy was a, coincidence that beer was, was boiled for so much yeah. of human history. Notch. And, and so every farmhouse kind of had their own take on the saison, and they might put orange peel or, or, or uh, cracked uh, pepper. Uh, or, or all sorts of different variations. Each farmhouse would have their own. Gotcha. But they were high in carbonation, quite zesty, yes. uh, and, and perhaps spicy now. So that high carbonation, the zest and the spice, well, that, that, that fizz will cut really nicely through, say, a gooey cheese. Yeah. On the other side of it, let's look at the Belgian quadruple, big Christmas cake characters, very reminiscent of muscatels. Oh, yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, so instead okay, of, so you've got polar opposites. Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, right. But yeah. because of these two polar opposites, you bring out a cheese board, yeah. You don't need to bring your fruit, right? So, right. so instead of instead of our our Granny Smith sliced up or our pear slices, well, then we've got our saison doing that. Mm. Or instead, instead of, of the, the muscatels, the things of the muscatels, we got Belgian quadruples. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, we have we've we have come a long way. There is a bewildering assortment of uh, styles <laughs> and and things to be like. Um, if you go to the tap house in. Uh, in St Kilda, uh, mm. a wonderful place, and I think there, there will be some events there. Yeah, definitely. Hello, oh, they're a bastion crew. They're a bastion of, of craft beer. A bastion, yes. yes. Well, yeah. they have the ramparts that they can defend on the top yeah. too. It's <laughs> quite a bastion. Prepare to pour the oil on. Um, but they have, if you want to go in there and just see how many different types of beers they can be, they have it all in this this wonderful 
poster that's there. Um, I would suggest you look that up. Matt was uh, very complimentary, were you not? I of app. Oh, the app. Yes, and I was going to say the Good Beer Week app is uh, well worth the download and is a pretty good way, actually, of navigating what's on when. Because how many events are there? There's well, some, that's the thing. We've got hundreds. 270 events across 180 venues. Yeah. That's why you need the app. Yes. And you can search by a beer style. You can search by a venue. You can search yes. by a brewery. So you can really narrow it down quite quickly into what you're after. Now, tell us, it's sort of like trying to pick a favourite child, I know, but have you got any um, sort of highlights that you'll be looking at? Are there any that you'll be getting your elbows out and go, get out of the way, I need to get into this event? Um, well, the one that's for everybody, good, good way for everyone to get involved is mm. our Pint of Origins. So, Pint uh, of Origins, you got that, Matt? The, uh, it's, it's because they're free entry, and Ooh. what you'll find is these venues uh, will celebrate a a point of origin in the world. So let's say there's a South Australian pint of origin mm. uh, and, and all of the taps will be turned over to SA Beers and the, the brewers from SA that are in town will hang out at that venue, mm. at, at the Palace Hotel. So, so or it might be a Kiwi venue, it might be the, an American venue, so, or it could be a Northern Territory. You know, we've got all different parts of Australia covered. Yes. Yeah, and you, can, you don't have to pay anything to get in there. They've got a wonderful selection you may never have seen before. Any other good free gigs you can sort of think of? Um, oh, well, the... Um, or any other your favourite. I'm, I'm quite happy for you to just go, this is my favourite well, beer child. Can I, can, <laughs> I like, can I go from zero to 100 and go... The, 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 one of yeah. the biggest events yeah. is um, we're doing a big barrel uh, blending class where we've got um, three breweries that are known for ba- barrel-aging beer. Yes. And we're going to be uh, meeting down in Brayside and we're going to blend all these beers into an Australian whiskey barrel. It's called the Beer, Bar- beer Baron's Barrel Masterclass. Well, I'll say that a few times. That'll keep it. Matt's giving us the wind-up. Um, uh, we've got Phil Kelly and uh, Doug Roberts. You want to hang around for some cider? I'd love to. Oh, that'll be ace. All right. Mm. Uh, Matty, I want more Prince. Uh, well, I don't think we're running out of time. But first, oh, we, have come to do, on. Know, we have to do a giveaway first, Cameron. All right, well, you do, do the wanna, giveaway. Do you want to read that out? I, I do, and you can you can Cause cue it's, the it's one about, more. It's about good beer week. It is indeed. Isn't yes. this great synchronicity, Middle? Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> one double pass to the Good Beer Week event, the Brewery and the Beast. Saturday, May 14th at 6pm. Oh, it's just before my birthday. Uh, at Antique Bar. Uh, tickets will be emailed to the winner. If uh, you are a subscriber, you can ring 93881027. My top tip is, um, if it's called the Brewery and the Beast, probably, probably not catering to vegetarians. So if you're in, if you're in that particular, uh, food club, uh, you might want to wait for the next event. Oh, yes, yeah, slow uh, barbecue pork ribs, yeah, braised totally. beef cheek in Pedro Zimenez. Sounds amazing. Mousse. Does sound really, really good. Um, 93881027, give us a ring. What was the bastion of Good Beer Week we were talking about before that yes. might be in St Kilda? That's the question to ask. I demand more prints. Uh, we have to pay some mortgage. And we're back with Adam Liao after this. What? <laughs> All right, Matt has disobeyed me. I wanted to play more prints. <laughs> we're running out of time. Oh, we're going to... Uh, whatever. Yeah. Hey, if you, if you did ring for the giveaway, just hang on the line there. Yeah, because... Um, Matt was trying to multitask. We're it's all backed a bit up. hard. Yeah. You know, we've got to ring Adam and get Adam on the line, do all that sort of stuff. The great news is it is around about 12.29 here on Sunday. We have got on the line from Sydney. I'm hoping, I'm praying. i got my fingers crossed. i got everything crossed. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Lau. Hello. Hey, he's there. Wow, just like <laughs> magic. 
isn't, isn't technology an amazing <laughs> it works. thing? It, it works. works. The best laid plans. The best laid plans are up to go anew. That was uh, that was Robbie Burns, but they've gone really, really well today. And uh, the first thing I want to do, Adam, I want to thank you for writing cookbooks. Thank you, thank you. No, you're welcome. No, quite, quite seriously. It's it's like um, I get given a lot of books, and uh, I've got a lot of books in my uh, in my library after doing the show for a little while. But do you know what? Your book looks like a disgrace. <laughs> it really does. It's got rings of stuff on it. I'm referring to Big Pot, um, and I've got to say it is one of my favourite um, books that I have in in my library. So big thanks to thank you, buddy. You. Thank you. I, I, I do write cookbooks so that they're used rather than, than sitting on a shelf, so I'm very gratified to know that, that, it's, that it's working. Or as uh, Matt and I were talking about earlier in the show, artfully displayed on a coffee table. <laughs> yes. There are, there are some cookbooks that do that. First of all, just let's give some people an idea, a bit of background to yourself. Um, oh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Free kick. Oh, jeez. Where do you start? <laughs> Um, where, where do I start? Let's you know, start, well, I, uh, start with you living with, what about grandma? Maybe we'll talk a bit about that. Can we anchor you in that? That might be a, a sure, good sure, thing to start off with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I come from a big big family, and uh, it's it's a blended family, so it, it, it at times was small, at times was very big, at times got very small again, and so <laughs> yeah. I guess my, my cooking history has been through a number of phases, up until about the age of 14 or so, I mainly lived with uh, my parents and my grandmother, who my grandmother was a fantastic cook, who uh, taught me an awful lot about cooking through the years. Is and she then, still uh, around, Adam? She is, she is. She's oh, in Adelaide man. and she's uh, wow. go, going strong, hitting hitting 90 years old and now with, uh, God, how many, six grandchildren and about eight great-grandchildren. She's, um, she, she's, she's a very happy old lady. <laughs> and tell us, what, what was your first cooking memory? Um, I reckon the first thing I ever actively cooked was with my mum and it was yeah. making uh, an Indian... Dessert called gulab jamun. Oh, I yeah. don't know if you've ever had yeah, it. It's basically yeah, deep fried, yeah, balls of milk deep fried in ghee and then soaked in the syrup of uh, cardamom and, and sugar, essentially. Big flavors. Uh, Big flavors. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my absolute favorite um, desserts as a kid, and uh, yeah, we we grew up in, I grew up in Malaysia, uh, was born in Malaysia anyway, um, where there is obviously a, a large Indian community and, and a lot of our. Indian friends would would make that for us. Uh, it's a wonderful to... melting pot of a of a country, isn't it, for cuisines? Yeah, yeah. It's... There's lots of different aspects and facets to it. And I, yeah, I, you, I, you think um, about it like even a, today, like a Venn diagram. Oh God, I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. you. Sorry, man. I was thinking, yeah, but like the Venn diagram. If you look at, uh, you've got Indian, you've got Chinese, you've got Malay, you've got uh, the colonial masters, and you know the. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, what an amazing place to to learn. Well, it's a fascinating. I think it's got a lot of, a lot to do with the way I cook now. Not just because I, I you know I don't just cook Malaysian food, and in fact I don't cook an awful lot of Malaysian food these days because mm. I, I, I get sidetracked and interested in other things. But um, it's a very new cuisine, but it's still universally loved, and I think that's got a lot to do with my view on authenticity and, uh, you know, a lot of people think that to cook authentically, you've got to cook something like it's been done for 500 years, you know. My family dish, I would have to say, is probably Hainanese chicken rice, uh, and most people have heard of that, most people have 
had it, it's a classic around Malaysia and Singapore, a very, very simple dish, but it's only been around for, you know, 80 years. My, my grandfather was a, a cook in Malaysia and he migrated from Hainan at around that time that dish was created. So all of these fabulous dishes from my childhood don't go back centuries. They're, they're very authentic dishes, inverted commas around that, yeah. uh, um, but they're not old. So I, I think authenticity is a very fluid concept and I think that encourages me rather than constantly just going back and cooking the same old things again and again and again and cooking things sort of way back in history. I, I don't mind playing around a bit. I don't, I don't mind modernising things. I think that's the only way that, that we can actually make them truly authentic. Well, we can't always just be cooking from the book of Genesis, can we? You know? <laughs> exactly. It's like, and, 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 and dare we say it, I mean, this marvellous country that we, we live in, that um, that is such a well, we're the mongrel nation. Let's face it. We we yeah. we are that we are from everywhere else. We have grabbed so many different uh, uh, styles and nationalities of cooking. And and one that actually I found in Big Pot that I I was kind of surprised about is salt and pepper squid is sort of almost like a, an Australian invention, is it? I'd almost say it's getting it close to our national dish at this point. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there's any other dish that you can get in as many different types of places. Sure, you can talk about you can get a meat pie in every street corner, every service yeah. station. Yeah. But if you, if you go to a Vietnamese restaurant or an Italian restaurant or a Chinese restaurant or a cafe or a pub, um, there's probably going to be a variation of salt and pepper squid uh, on that. So in terms of proper restaurants, I reckon that's our most ubiquitous dish. And you now see it in a freezer space in, you know, when you're shopping under the fluorescent lights too. Oh, do you? Do yeah, you? I've, they, seen, they, I've they, seen, I'm sure McCain have come out with a, like a, <laughs> and you know, it's like, oh, my bloody hell. It's, uh, it, it's, it's there as well. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. Anyway, we're m- move, moving on from that, but... Um, and that is one of those great things that demonstrates something that we talked about um, a couple of days ago in, in the fact that you really don't need to complicate things to make them taste great. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, you know, my, my cooking changes a lot um, over the years. And, and How so? But the, the, the trend, I think, you know, sometimes I get interested in Italian food, which I am at the moment. Sometimes I get interested in in, you know, traditional Vietnamese food. Sometimes I want to explore some regional Japanese stuff, you know. It, it, food is, is is fascinating to me, so I often sort of run down these rabbit holes every now and then and then return back to my old favourites after that. But <laughs> yeah. the, the common trend to, I think, all of my cooking and uh, over, say, the last 10 years has been constant simplification of, of the food that I use. Um, I was... Somebody said the other day, and I can't remember who it was, um, was that they went to Paul Bocuse's restaurant um, 20, 30 years ago, and Paul Bocuse had told them, cook with cook, cook the dishes that you love, but try it with half the amount of ingredients that you're planned on using. You'd be surprised <laughs> at how how much better you can take make it taste by using fewer ingredients. And, you know, in, in a, an actual practical home context, you know, for example... Every stir-fried dish that I grew up with yes. started with garlic and ginger, pretty much into a into a wok. It's the um, uh, it's the it's almost the the Asian sofrito. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yet, I don't reckon I put both garlic and ginger into a dish into the same dish for three years now. Really? 
yeah, it's it's really strange. Now, I use garlic when I want a garlicky flavour. I use ginger when I want a gingery flavour. Mm-hmm. And I don't just sort of start with that as a fait accompli now when I cook mm-hmm. a lot of Asian food. And, and um, I personally think it's a lot tastier for it, you know, because you can actually get distinctive flavours out of your food. Um, if we look at music, like, Adam, if I can just take the ball and run with it and then handball straight back to you. Um, yeah. we, we use the analogy of music and some of the... Uh, the most profound things. Well, we think about a chord of music, and a chord of music is three notes um, vibrating in harmony. Doug's going to come on. He can probably explain it better than I can. But, <laughs> but you know, the most profound things are from just three simple things vibrating harmoniously together. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that YouTube video where, um, you know, you have that, that, that chord progression yeah. That um, is the same four chords that are used in pretty much every song you've ever heard in your entire life. It's a uh, comedy, uh, musical the, comedy trio. Not the secret Beatles chord progression. It's, oh, Matt's coming. It's the Axis of Awesome. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah, four chords. Of awesome. Yeah, 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 Axis yeah, of yeah, Awesome. Yeah, All right. They did some fantastic videos where they basically they sing about fifty songs all using the exact same chords. And if you know, if you if anyone plays music and I play a bit of guitar and stuff, then yes, you can play pretty much every song in the world with the same three chords. You put that into a food context, for example, mm. uh, Japanese food. I reckon you can make with with three, four ingredients, say sugar, mirin, sake, soy sauce, uh, and that's pretty much it. So, that, yeah, those four yes. ingredients, yep. I reckon you can probably make a thousand completely different Japanese dishes that taste completely different. You've got Japanese cuisine almost covered. Other yeah, than, other yeah, than the mean, glorification of perfection, perfect ingredients, which is sort of what underpins Japanese cuisine too, isn't and, it? And that's that's the that's the big thing, you know. Yeah. I think this is the really big disconnect that we have in our thinking of of how we taste food. In my opinion, food has three main components, and that's um, seasoning, flavour, and texture. Mm-hmm. And the two most important of those are seasoning and texture. And yet, all we ever talk about is flavour when, when it comes to food. And I think flavour is is just about inconsequential for the theory of cooking. Mm. Um, I spend all of my time concentrating on getting seasoning correctly, get, getting seasoning right, getting fla- uh, getting texture right, and the flavour is basically that comes down to to what I've decided to cook in the first place. So, you, you know, I, I think I was telling the other day I don't cook with a lot of spices and things anymore mm. because I like the flavour of the ingredients that I choose. You know, if I go out and buy a really nice piece of steak, the last thing I want to do, and this is what I used to do when I, you know, when I was 14 and starting to cook, was reach for all the spices in my spice drawer and try and cover this steak or this chicken breast or chicken thigh or whatever in all these different spices. But if I go and buy a nice steak, I want that to taste like a steak. I don't want that to taste like cumin or coriander or all these other spices that I may, may put on top of it. So I guess my focus in cooking now has become a lot more simple by almost completely ignoring flavour. And that sounds like a terrible thing, but when you put your efforts into seasoning first and uh, texture second, flavour kind of takes care of itself. Damn straight. And there's, um, I'm just looking through, I pulled out some of my, my faves from that, and they're all sort of different textures too. The texture of the Mongolian lamb is so different to the pork and the eggplant to, oh, dare I say it, you've got to, everybody's got to learn how to do this because this is great late at night, kimchi fried rice <laughs> yes. with an egg on it. That is an absolute go-to for me because I travel a lot, and so when I 
come home and the, the fridge is absolutely bare, mm. odds are there's a tub of kimchi in there somewhere, odds are I've got some rice in the cupboard, and that's uh, that's definitely something that, that turns up an awful lot at my house. And, and I crumble, crumble some, some nori, toasted nori over the top of it, and that's uh, good to go. I'd um, I'd love to do this again, if if we may, at, at some stage in the not-too-distant future. But I do, after hearing all you say about texture, can I just bring out one thing? And if you could just tell us a little bit about this pre- uh, preparation, because I think it rocks. Nori butter. <laughs> Nori butter. Mm. Um, it, it's... It's a really, you know, flavoured butters. Uh, I have I have two kids, so I'm all about simplifying the the, the evening meal preparation process. Yes. <laughs> and flavoured butters are an absolute lifesaver. Uh, you know, I tend to keep a few different kinds in in my uh, uh, freezer. Actually, is where I keep them. Uh, whether it's throwing it on top of a steak after it's cooked, like a Cafe de Paris butter or something. Yeah. Or Cafe de Paris, if you want to say it properly. Um, yes. Uh, nori butter, which I use an awful lot for, you know, even pan frying fish fillets or r- a roast chicken. You know, spread that on top of a roast chicken, and you. Hey, I'd even put on, on some pumpkin. Might be nice. Roasted pumpkin with a bit of nori butter might. Work. Yeah, that that that, that so be lovely. What's in it? So there's nori sheets that you dry out. Yeah, well, the nori's uh, come, comes already dried, so I tend to just toast that a little bit. I mean, yeah, toasted, um, you know, just over an open yeah, flame. Yeah, yeah. Over an open flame, that just bring that gives it a bit more of of that uh, toasty seaweed flavour. Very, very simple there. Um, I, I do add a couple of little seasonings into it, but you don't actually need all that much. And, you know, at its very basic uh, construction, it's that and butter. And you put those two things together, softened butter, you blend the nori into a, into a, a powder, and fold it through butter, and then you've got this this lovely uh, toasty seasoned butter that you can use for just about anything. It exists in the freezer, and it can be taken out any time, which is a, a yeah. beautiful thing. Um, Adam, we're going to have to leave you. Um, I thank you so much for your time. Hey, can we talk at some other stage maybe about what we should have? What's in your pantry maybe? That might be an interesting thing to uh, explore. No problems. Happy to, happy to be back on whenever you need me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> See, you have to say that, don't you? <laughs> uh, Adam, Adam, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for taking um, our call. Look forward to speaking to you in the not-too-distant. No problem. See you. Thanks, mate. Adam Lauer from, uh, from Sydney. I'm going I'm to shut up because I just want to play one more song. Maybe we won't play all of it, but there's just a little bit of it because I just like the way it starts like this. Mm. 12.47, well, it's nearly 12.48 here on 3 RFM. How's your Sunday going? <laughs> Monday's got it off. It's going to be good. And um, it's not going to be quite as exciting as it is going to be next week because, well, over at the Kelly Brick Brewery, <laughs> not just one day of uh, fantasticness. No, we're spreading it into two. And we have uh, the Patron. Of uh, of Kelly Brook, uh, Kelly Brothers here. Phil Kelly, hello. Very very good afternoon. Lovely to have you here. Thanks very much for having me, Cam. It's a pleasure. And um, coming up the rear as well with him, he's going to be part of the uh, well, the musical offering. There, we've got uh, the incredibly talented, multi-dimensional oh, Doug Robinson. Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. <laughs> how are you, mate? I'm very very well. Better for seeing you. Yes. Better for seeing you. But. Um, how long has this thing of fermenting apples been going on over there in Wonga Park? Oh, in Wonga Park, it's been going on 
for, gosh, nearly 50 years. 50 My years. father started it all, yeah. So it was, it's just, it goes back one generation. It goes back one, the actual cider production goes back one generation. And what was the interest that he had, uh, how did he get all interested in, uh, in fermenting apples? The family's, the family's little farmlet out in Wonga Park was a, a remnant orchard. Yeah, right. Uh, and so when they moved into there in 1936, wow. um, they, there were old trees sort of banging about and eventually yeah. thought they'd try to do something with it. And what sort of varieties were we talking about were there then? Oh, very much. Um, they were just dessert-style fruit, so mainly just, you know, Johnny's and all So we would have a whole bunch of Jonathan's, maybe some yeah. snow apples? Every chance. I love snow apples. You <laughs> don't see them very, very much. Uh, but then there's um, there's apples that need to be used that... Maybe on a table apple, but there could be the ones that are the traditional cider apples. Would that be a, a fair comment? Yeah, well, we've got lots of those in the ground as well, which, mm. we, which we planted, well, my father planted in 1963. And he didn't make, you know, just your run-of-the-mill sort of cider. He made what was a, well, let's face it, a method champenoise, uh, a dry, almost champagne style of cider, did he not? Yeah, that's which right. Which you still make to this day. We still do make that one, yes. Yeah. So that's bottle fermented and hand-riddled and disgorged and... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a labour of love, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. It, it's a, it's a it's a different sort of expression, but it's lovely. It's a really nice drink. Yeah, very very dry. Because yeah. uh, we think about uh, look, folks, you can think about um, cider in a bottle, and we can have um, well, there's distinctive uh, ways of doing. It. Miro came in and he covered the dis- the the spectrum of beer so beautifully. And you've got you know great dry ciders on one hand, and then you have this sugary lolly water that we see from. Um, from Sweden, which uh, has sort of sullied the reputation of your noble product somewhat, you could say. <laughs> Discuss. Yeah, well... Um, he said provocatively. We, uh, we, we just like to... Um, we, we respect the origins of cider. Um, it's, it's made from apples. It's not made from stuff. Um, you know, synthetic stuff. So yes. really all we try to do is... You mean it's got integrity? Well, well, we, well it's, certainly, it's certainly real anyway. And yeah. so... Um, we endeavour to source nice locally grown fruit from uh, farmers who do a good job, um, mm. develop good flavours. We've got a little orchard of our own, which is mainly the traditional English cider apple varieties. So um, what are they? Can you just name, just, just roll off a few names so that uh, we Kingston, can impress our friends? Kingston Black. Kingston is, Black. That's, a, that's the, we'd probably refer to that as the Cabernet Sauvignon of apples, if you like. Really? Big, okay. you know, quite bold, rich, big tannins. Um, Quite a quite an intense apple. Yeah, we've made Kingston Black, pure Kingston Black cider before, and it's it's a little bit much for the public palate. I've, you know, at this stage, it's really quite a confronting drink, well, especially bit, bone dry. Bit grippy, bit very grippy, almost. So the, you think about the tannins that you're developing mm. with that, and so if you bit into that, it'd be like it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, if you not ate, a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you but eat for the cider. Wow. Yeah, well, it's perfect for cider because it builds mm. it builds structure, and yes. that's really important. But if you ate one of those apples, it, um, the tannins are really, really strong. <laughs> the, but interestingly, they, they have very, very high sugar, but when you eat it, you would say there's no sugar yeah. because the tannins completely bowl that sugar away. So it's just like, get out of my way. I'm, <laughs> I'm the tannin man. But there's, one cider cam that we, yeah. there's one cider cam that we need to talk about because it's Do all it. about Do it, the Kelly Brook Cider Festival, which is next weekend. Oh, look at you. Relentlessly which is, on message. Which I like is it. the scrumpy. 
Oh, the scrumpy. Ask Phil about the scrumpy. Which can dissolve animals. <laughs> well, traditionally, there's, 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 there's references rain. to rats and things, but yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah, a, yeah. not in our country. No, no, no. <laughs> now, what, tell us about scrumpy. Well, scrumpy traditionally... And thank you, too. Yeah, um, that's, that's great. Scrumpy is a... Um, uh, scrumpy, the word scrumpy has... Arr. Arr. Originates from the from the verb to scrump. Which to scrump. When you scrump, it's. I'm pe- a scrumper. I am. <laughs> That's right. Oi. You're picking up the the, the apples. Well, Matt, off yeah. the ground. Sorry, Matt. I, it I didn't said, take long. I said before the show, if we're doing a segment on cider, at some point you're gonna you're gonna get that accent out, aren't you? Arr. You're gonna reach into the back pocket, yeah. and get the northern version. <laughs> so this. So tell us about this scrumpy. <laughs> we needed Matt Wilkinson here. So, yeah, yeah. So essentially, the to scrump. Essentially, to scrump. that's. that's Picking up the windfall apples off the ground, yeah, um, and so they're s- traditionally very, very ripe. Do they normally belong to you, or does to ah. scrump? Is, that, is there a bit of a you know? Yeah, you get on. Yes, you yes. J- jump fences and jump scrump fences some and other, scrump someone else's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone else's orchard. Yeah. So the Australian expression of the scrumpy that we have for uh, the Kelly Brook and the festival that's happening next week. Mm. Um, tell us about about that. Well, so what we've done. Um, while English traditional scrumpy is very, very uh, potent and a bit on the rugged side, a bit face flambe, yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. This is um, this is um, our, interp- our our kind of more palatable interpretation of it. So, but it's mm. essentially it's a it's a fermenting cider. Yes. Um, it's it's still using all of the good fruit from around the district, um, but we're actually uh, so we serve it with you know two thirds the way through fermentation. So it's still it's sort of fizzy. It's yeah. cloudy. Yeah. It's alcoholic. It still has a bit of fruit sweetness. So you haven't found it or anything like that. It's, oh, no, it's no. like it's cloudy. It's real. It's real. And when just, you get a bottle, just, yeah, and you put the lid on it, yeah, um, it's it's you know it's going to put build pressure. So essentially, we we drink yeah. it on the day. So we could say it's going to be as real as the performers that are going to be on stage mm. at, uh, underneath the oak tree. You only get that scrumpy once a year, Cam. Yeah, once a year you get that scrumpy because as Phil says, it's one a, year it's scrump. A, well, once a year you get it because you. If you're making it all year round, you have to be drinking it all year round, like as it comes out of the vat, you know. It's a, it's a very visceral kind of thing. So <laughs> Somehow I'm reminded of, you know, when you used to milk cows and that you'd have the cats hanging around going, ah, yeah, so it's a peculiar, be a bit like that. It's a peculiar yeah. thing about the Kellybrook Cider Festival is that you just see people walking around with plastic flagons full of this what looks like apple juice but is actually a little bit more deadly a, a, a little bit more and of yeah. course we'll be um, we'll be doing the responsible RSA of Absolutely. course with all that sort of stuff so rest assured it's yeah. a great family day correct most certainly yeah is. most yeah. certainly two is. great family days um, starting from 11am finishing up at 5 mm. um, great music all weekend um, both you, days are you playing yes are you I playing will be with, with butts? playing a little bit uh, both days starting off with um, uh, the Teskey Brothers, a fabulous local blues band, yes. and the Scrimshaw Four, which is sort of upbeat, sort of Zydeco pop sensation. Will there be on a the Saturday? Yeah, no, there is one of those as well. On the Saturday at two o'clock, there'll be the Grapes with Sherry Rich, Ash Naylor, who are the Grapes. Sherry Rich. Um, supported by myself on bass guitar and Steve Pinkerton on drums. Which bass guitar are you going to be playing? I'll uh, play the Jaguar, mate. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. Bring out the Jaguar. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's actually my only bass. And the Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, very similar lineup, except at 2 o'clock you've got the wonderful uh, Charles Jenkins and the Zhivagos. Will you be getting the Rickenbacker out for that? No, mate. No, you sold that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Uh, but uh, Charles Jenkins, uh, quite seriously. So mm. that's happening on the Sunday. That's on the Sunday. Yes. And both days um, finishing up with the um, the... The Quarry Mountain Dead Rats 
who will just <laughs> rock the bejesus out of your socks. Say that again. Uh, the Quarry Mountain Dead Rats. Phil, have you heard these guys? Have you vetted these people? Oh, they're, they're, they're rock and roll yeah, bluegrass. Yeah. They, they were there last year and brought the house down. So outstanding. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, really cool lineup of music this year. The great, the great thing is that this has become um, quite a tradition. I've I, I got to doff my lid to you. And one of the crazy things that's become a bit of a tradition here are these crazy Morris dances. Morris dances, yeah. Yeah. So it's um, this is your thing. We've got you covered. Well, the Morris dancers, they're omnipresent at the Cider Festival. So everywhere yeah. you go, you'll hear or see a Morris dancer somewhere. Wow. Um, and they have bells on their fingers and toes and whatever and dance around and carry on. But yeah. they're, they're very, very entertaining, very funny. Mm. Um, and you never get tired of a bit, a bit of a listen of the Morris dancers. Although a lot of the English guys that turn up are a little bit cringy because Morris dancing is sort of a bit, uh, I don't know. Dagwa? Bit, bit maybe, maybe. Yeah, but, but very Blackadder as well and yeah. that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. That's a lot of fun. It is, it is a lot of fun. Oh, Matt's doing that. Now, before we go, can you just tell us quickly about the range of uh, Kelly Brothers? Are you um, going to be part of the Good Beer Week, Mira? Are we, um, we looking at yes? You are we gonna, are. There we are. Yeah, yeah. But, yep, yep. but oh, the, writers, the writers' beers that we do, yeah. Yeah, lovely. And um, if we want to find Kelly Brothers cider around the place to try, what is really a great regional product from close to our region. I think you've got to be um, celebrated for that. I'm being very, very serious. I think it's wonderful that you're doing what you're doing and that you keep doing it in this, uh, you know, a rural area that is being encroached on all sides. So congratulations on that. Thanks, Ken. What sort of um, uh, product can we find? You've got Uh, your ciders. Yeah, we've got the Kelly Brothers uh, pear and apple ciders and then we've got the the Kelly Brook sparkling cider, which is the method champenoise we've described. Yes. Um, And also we have... Um, an unusual offering in, in an apple brandy, which is like a Calvados style, if you like, um, brandy. Are you allowed to call it Calvados? No, we did, no, but that's not anymore. Bloody French, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, apple brandy. Before yes. we reach the top of the hour, Cam, can yes. I quickly say kellybrookwinery.com.au to find out all about the uh, Cider Festival. Yes. Uh, $20 at the gate or on the website. Yeah. And um, kids under 14 free. Brilliant, but they're not allowed to drink because no. we're doing RSA, and you've got to see this glorious oak that um, the, where the stage is, mm. is absolutely beautiful. Phil, thank you for coming in. Matt, you have some words. Not only that, uh, Love but, wait, but if, if you've been listening and we've intently, this would be a good thing to go to. I'm free next week. We've also got a double pass to give away to the uh, Kelly Brook Cider Festival. So give us a ring nine three double eight one zero two seven. Give us a couple of minutes, and then we'll answer after the show. And uh, we've got a double pass. And the question is that uh, cider can be made in the method champenoise style. Is this true or is it false? Mm. Miro Bellini has been waiting patient, uh, patiently in the background. Thanks for coming in, mate. Lovely to meet you. And you too. Thank you, uh, thank you for the, t- the time today. Absolute pleasure. Dougie, always good to see you smiling, Dial. Thanks, Cam. Phil, lovely to meet you. Have a wonderful time. That's Me, happening thanks. next weekend. Next weekend. Yeah, okay. Uh, look at this. 12.59 with a couple of seconds to go. Namilla Benson with White noise next and sorry about my maudlin nature at the beginning of the show these guys have perked me up and you have too Matty (laughs) and you too see you next week bye this has been a podcast from 3 Triple R 102.7 FM in Melbourne truly independent community radio want to hear more check out our website at rrr.org.au